Today's podcast session is supported by Uphill. So if you ask a therapist who's doing clinical work what the bane of their existence is, usually progress notes are in the top one to two. I'm not naming any names, but when I was doing clinical work, I remember I had several colleagues who would get so backed up on clinical notes, so they would end up spending their nights and weekends trying just to catch up. Honestly, who wants to do that? And this is where Appeal comes in. Appeal is AI-powered case notes. Now, I know for many of us, when we hear the word AI, we're, there's like a natural skepticism. And honestly, I had that skepticism as well until I got to meet with the Appeal team and learn about some of the many ways that they are doing this in a way that is HIPAA compliant and also doesn't sell data to anyone and also protects our clients as well. You can learn more about Uphill and the awesome work that they're doing in the world uh, by going to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Uphill. And Uphill is, is spelled U-P and then H-E-A-L, all one word. And at checkout, be sure to enter the promo code COUCH25, C-O-U-C-H, and the number 25 to get 25% off your Uphill plan for the first two months. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Hey, what's up? Welcome to session 35 of the Selling the Couch podcast. Hope you're having a fantastic week. I just got back from a weekend long conference where I learned all about podcasting. The conference is the largest conference in the world for podcasters, and it was down in Texas, my home state. And so I had a blast seven hours one day doing a workshop all about podcasting, and then I think another eight or nine hours the next day doing a bunch of little workshops to learn all the nuances of podcasting and where podcasting and that whole area is really going. And I can't wait to share some of that stuff with you here in future episodes. Today's podcast is actually the first two-time guest on the podcast. It's none other than Carrie Nola. As you probably remember, Carrie was the featured guest on session four of the podcast, where she talked all about building a private pay practice. I took it online, and now I help therapists and healers all over the world in gaining the confidence, the clarity, and the skills they need to grow their businesses. If you haven't had a chance to check that one out, definitely do. You can find that at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session four. Today's session is actually all about how you can create retreats and workshops and groups for your private practice as a way to really expand your practice. We talk about some of the major benefits of doing this. We talk about actually how to set, set that up 
when you do decide to do it. And then some of the pricing strategies, and then also how to figure out how long to do these workshops and retreats for. So here's my conversation with Carrie Nola from CarrieNola.com. Carrie, you are the first two-time guest on the Selling the Couch podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much, Melvin. I am absolutely honored to be holding that uh, that place on the podcast. It's amazing to be back. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that we had talked about and touched base with, you know, when you first came on, you talked a lot about how to build a private pay practice, right? And today you wanted to focus it more from the clinician perspective, and more specifically this idea of how do you start a conference, a retreat, a workshop, and all of the the practical things that you've learned along the way? Absolutely. Yeah, I think we go from building our business and then what's since there, you know, how do we expand and, and grow and evolve once we've got that full, uh, that full practice? Yeah, absolutely. So I thought one of the things that we could start off with is what do you see are some of the, the major benefits to hosting a retreat or a workshop? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, I think of this two ways as the clinical perspective and the benefits there, and then also the business side. So from the clinical perspective, I actually started doing workshops and retreats from feedback that my clients were giving me. And one of the things they were saying over time was that as mothers and wives and busy professionals and CEOs and, you know, just running their life, it was really hard to dig as deep as they wanted to go into the heart and soul of their healing process in 60 or 90 minutes. It felt like they couldn't really fully unravel and, and go to those those places within, knowing that they had to piece themselves back together enough to go and then be functional as partners and professionals and mothers and healers in the world. And so that was amazing feedback for me to hear because I think the traditional model that we all know about is meeting with our clients for 45 to, to 60 minutes in a one-on-one -on -one session and then doing the work and then that, that goes on over time. So I think one of the benefits is being able to create a space where people can unravel a little bit more fully and completely to really begin to find the pieces of the puzzle that are contributing to their pain. That way they can really work through those. And I think doing that in community where you have other people who are on a similar journey or moving through similar symptoms and being able to have our story witnessed and held in a compassionate way in the context of a group or a community, I think is has also been really powerful for me to to witness and to hold space for and get feedback from clients about. Well, you know, I was thinking uh, you bring up a really good point, which I think is uh, sometimes the best conferences and the workshops are based on the feedback that we get from clients. Oh, for sure. I think they're our greatest teachers. I know they are for me as well. And, and being able to ask for what they need to really customize a healing experience. And sometimes I think we get so caught in the box of what what our work looks like and being able to step outside of that box and to create a different model. You know, I take a group of eight of my clients for five days to a luxury uh, house on the beach and we do some deep work for five days. And that's very different than the traditional healing models that we're used to thinking about. But I've been doing this now for about two or three years. And the the healing has been absolutely tremendous. And the catalyst that that is when we come back to the individual work that we've been doing is just incredible. And then the friendships and the relationships that have developed among the retreat participants has just been 
it's so beautiful to to watch. So then they build an additional support system outside of the therapy relationship that they can continue doing, you know, their work in and feeling supported on an ongoing basis in their life outside of the therapy room. Yeah, I mean, it's such a a very out of the box way of thinking about things. Just even taking a step back to that point where clients were giving you feedback about them wanting that additional experience, something to deepen. Uh, How did you get that? Was that like something you were verbalizing? Or did you like give out questionnaires? Or how did you get that information from clients? Oh, great question. Yeah, that was really organic. Clients just started saying to me, you know, I feel like I'm I'm blocking myself. I feel like I want to go a little deeper, but I feel scared that that I I can't put myself back together enough to go home and be mom or to go to work tomorrow. And, you know, um, I, I work with a lot of healing professionals, so whether they're therapists or teachers or nurses, but, you know, people that are interacting with people and they need to be really present in their everyday life. So it's difficult to do that. And they started just really uh, sharing vulnerably with me that that there was that fear of not being able to put themselves back together enough. So they were keeping their their healing sessions with me, their counseling, their therapy, very compartmentalized. And they weren't reaching the spaces that they knew really needed their attention. Hmm. So once you get that basic information from them, like, you know, them saying, I feel like I need to go deeper. What did you do after that to actually, you know, set up a workshop or a retreat? Sure. It was a very gradual process, actually, which is very, there's a part of myself that always wants to go full force and, and get to the end result right. right away. I don't know how many of you can <laughs> relate to that listening, right? But um, I really gave myself permission to let this unfold and kind of reveal itself to me. So I started with um, with groups. And so we brought some of these clients together that were giving me this feedback and we started doing an hour and a half group. And then that hour and a half group evolved into a three hour workshop. And then it evolved into a a six hour kind of day retreat. And then it was like a weekend retreat for two or three days. And then it's evolved now into our our five day model, which happens usually once or twice a year. We do that with monthly workshops or retreats in between to help, you know, balance and just continue to support that community work. Well, I mean, it's a great reminder because I think something you didn't start off with a five-day luxury retreat, right? Like you started off with the group. And I think it's such a great reminder that sometimes the best ideas, they have very, they're built organically and they're built uh, layer upon layer. Yeah, for sure. And that's what, you know, when we talk about the practical ways to put together an experience like this, I think it really starts from the inside out, from within us, um, thinking about what our passions are and what we like to hold space for. And then it starts from inside our own practice and working with what we've already got and what we've already built rather than feeling like we have to do some massive marketing plan. You know, it only takes three, you know, to to eight people to create a group experience, whether that be a group, a workshop, a retreat, you know, or, or anything uh, in that family of, of experiences. And then once you got to that point, how did you determine the actual content that you would have on the retreat? Yeah, so a lot of this was really done in thinking of similarities and themes uh, that were coming up with the community of people that I was bringing together. Since I knew all of these, they were my clients already, I, I started to 
make you know mental notes and even take notes after sessions about what were the themes and patterns that they had in common. And so I started noticing things like fear of vulnerability, um, you know, shame, struggle using their voice. Um, you know, just so so many of these themes that I don't think are specific to my clients. I think these are collective issues that so many of our clients are going through. And so I kind of built some content around that. But the other thing about me is I really realized how some of the content became a place to hide and to really work from the head. And so I also, from that organic uh, piece we've already talked about, allowed the retreats to kind of create themselves. So I had a general structure, like we would do a welcome circle and then we would, you know, open the space to talk about this topic. And I might have, you know, an activity or a question or prompt that would open that space. But then I would really let the people who were there for this work kind of let me know what they wanted and needed in the space. Yeah, I feel like the best conferences or the best retreats, they are they happen once we have ideas and then we uh, get information about whether that idea is going to work. But we also get information from the people that are actually going to be participating. Absolutely. And I think sometimes we forget. I, I know for me, sometimes I, I get caught in that sort of expert realm. Like these, these folks are coming to me to, to do something for them. And I think what I'm realizing is that these experiences really are about holding the sacred space and allowing them to bring the material because they're the experts on what's going on in their lives. And as they start having conversations with one another and, and realizing that they're not alone, uh, these magical and almost spontaneous healings and transformations seem to have happened. Well, I mean, I, as you were talking, I was almost like thinking of this idea, right? Like, which I think any of us can do is taking a step back and looking across the clients that we have and seeing the themes that are emerging between them. And I think that's like such rich, rich than like fertile ground for potential workshops. For sure. I, I think that is the ultimate power, I think, of the group work or, or healing in community. It's like we, we experience our wounds in relationships, and I think it's important that we heal our wounds in relationships as well, allowing ourselves to be seen and heard um, and, and held in our darkest moments that we're often not able to be held in other times in our lives. And um, to me, it's been... Yeah, it's such an honor and privilege to be able to create an experience where that kind of healing goes on. I think the therapeutic relationship one-on-one -on -one is, is beautiful, but we can only wake up so much in our clients. I mean, there's only so much in us that's going to trigger so much in the clients. But when you add a couple other people, we've got, you know, the whole family system in the room working, mm -hmm. as, as you all know. And that's a beautiful way to allow that healing to happen. Right. So uh, at a practical level, so when you're thinking about participants for a retreat or workshop, uh, it sounds like part of it is that you rely on existing clients. What are some other ways that you have found helpful to be able to draw folks to, to the conference or the retreat that you're putting together? Sure. So I also in, invite my clients to reach out to their uh, kind of friends or, or people that they know would be a good fit 
for the retreat experience, which is another interesting thing because the retreats are very unique and they're not always a good fit for everybody. So I also um, always do an intake or a consultation for people who aren't my clients that may want to come to my retreats to make sure that they've done enough of that baseline work to be able to to tolerate the intensity that happens at these longer type of experiences. So my clients have been wonderful marketers for this because they experience these shifts and transformations. And then I invite them to to think of other people in their communities that could benefit from this. And so that's one way to think about it, which is a little different, I think, than how we might market our, our individual therapy work. Um, and then also colleagues uh, going to my partners um, and colleagues who refer to me individually and asking them, you know, who do you have that's experiencing this theme? And do you think they could benefit from some group work or, or retreat experience? The thing I've found about retreats is that they're so rarely offered that other clinicians really benefit from from you supporting their clients in this way. And then they can go back to their therapist and be able to continue after they have this catalyst um, in a more intense healing experience. They can go back and then use that. So um, I think word of mouth relationships, they're really significant. Um, And I've also used like partnerships with meditation centers, yoga facilities, um, places that my ideal clients are spending time and and posting a flyer or sending out an email. uh, Those kinds of things have been helpful as well. You said one of the things earlier was that you take this extra step of doing an intake, which I think is such a it's a brilliant idea. Um, How do you think taking that extra step has helped um, with the the trust and the rapport of the participants in the retreat? Uh, I really think it's been so important and valuable in, in that regard. For me, the space is so sacred, and to just invite anybody in that may or may not be a fit, it's both for, for the clients coming in and for us and the, the people that will be there to make sure that it's kind of a vibrational match. Are we at the same Uh, space? Do we want the same things? Do you need what I have to offer and what this community offers? Um, My clients and attendees to the events have given feedback that that feels really, really important. And um, it just feels important for me to honor what happens at these events as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's such a it's a way of showing respect and honor, I think, to the participants and to our clients. Yeah, and it's interesting. I, I just I have a retreat coming up in September. Well, I have two, uh, one for healers and one for clients. And, and my client retreat coming up, we were doing some interviews for for new people joining us, and uh, several of them actually mentioned that they were appreciative that this process was in place because it communicated to them how sacred the community was. Which I thought was interesting. That kind of from the outside looking in, they could already feel and sense that, and it helped them to to feel more protected in the process as well, that they knew that we were taking this seriously. Yeah, right. It, it Just that small gesture, I think, communicates something very big. Yes. You know, one of the other things is now that you've developed content, you've gotten the word out, um, you've got some potential folks, how do you actually go about determining what a price point is for retreats? I feel like that's something that I always struggle with. It is hard. It is. And I'm not, yeah, for anyone who knows me, I'm not terribly traditional in any sense of the word. So when it comes to this, there's probably people who have a very organized step-by-step method for for doing this. But for me, it's very heart-centered. It's what feels right. What can I go in 
and and um, exchange my energy over this course of time in exchange for for this level of investment like what will feel good to me so that I'm not leaving with any resentment um, it's not costing me any money you know the first retreat I did um, it probably broke I think I probably broke even because I just wasn't thinking of supplies and and my time and all of that so I think it's kind of twofold it's, it's thinking what is the amount that you would like to to make for this investment of your time and energy and then you also begin to consider the costs you know what is Am I going to do food? Am I going to do any you know gifts or goodie bags? Uh, what is the cost of the location? Are we going to pay uh, cover lodging in the event? So we start kind of taking the cost of the event and looking at what those are. So you get kind of a baseline. Like I would need to absolutely charge this just to have the event pay for itself. And how many people would need to come um, at this price in order for that to happen? And then you kind of build on it from there. So you're creating this this sort of plan about all of the expenses, right? And then you're trying to figure out how many folks will be actually coming. And then that's how you actually determine what to charge. Is that right? Sure. Yeah. So let's say you want, let's say how many people ideally do you want to come? So let's say you would like five people to come and the costs are $500. So that means you would need one person at $500 to cover the expenses. Mm. And so then you would kind of so if one person comes at five hundred dollars, then you know the rest is profit. Right, right, okay. And then so yeah, you kind of decide how much you want to make. That's why I like the flexibility because I think the percentage for one person may not resonate with the percentage for another. Right. Um, yeah, and I think it depends on the length of time that you're you're doing it, um, where you're doing it, the the experience, the population. Um, there's a lot of different factors that go into it. I think we tend to undercharge. So I would say if you have difficulty, um, you know, realizing how how much this work is worth, um, you know, that's probably going to come up for you here as well. And we don't have time to get into all processing of those fears and everything. But but I think really just tuning into your heart center and what what feels good to you. What would you pay for something like this? I think that's the other thing. We talked about this on our last time together, mm-hmm. Melvin, the, the notion that we can't really expect someone to pay something that we haven't been willing to, to invest ourselves. And so I think of what I am willing to invest when I go on retreats and healing experiences myself, because I think that's another important piece of the puzzle. If you're willing to pay it, I think then you begin to draw people who are willing to make those kind of investments as well. Well, I think then you also have this internal energy right you like you can you can make the argument that it's worth this because you actually believe it absolutely i think that's it's so important and if it if it's worth it to us and and we believe that then i think that we have that um yeah we welcome that back right um carrie what are what are some of the things that you've learned as far as like optimal length and of of an actual retreat like does that kind of vary or what what have you learned just in general yeah, I think it depends on what you want to, what your intention is for the experience. I think in experiences where I want to kind of teach something or offer some information, um, shorter things are work well. You know, we get in, we we do some of the teaching, and we have an experience, and then we wrap it up. For things that are a little bit more. Um, yeah, of a healing experience that that ex- ex- experiential that we want to really wake things up over the course of time, and we want to do that gently and have time to work with what comes up, and then to wrap it up. I think the longer experiences, you know, I love 
each of them for different reasons. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I love kind of getting in and out and coming and having a, a beautiful, powerful experience and then leaving in a couple of hours. And I love spending a weekend together. And then the five day, you know, it's a lot of work uh, for us as uh, facilitators and for the clients. It's very intense, but it's very powerful as well. Um, right. So I guess uh, the thing that I'm hearing is it's probably really wise to figure out what the intent of the conference will be at, at the starting point, and that can give you some of a barometer in terms of how long it should be. Exactly. And I say start start small and grow. Um, find out how you feel about a three-hour experience. Find out how you feel about a one-day weekend and then grow from there because, for, I mean, I've talked to a lot of healers, you know, therapists that I coach, um, some only like to do weekend events. Their energy just doesn't lend itself to wanting to do anymore. And then others prefer even longer. So really honor yourself in the process. It's such uh, valuable advice. So if someone is that's listening to this podcast episode, if they want, if they're interested in doing a retreat or a workshop, what would you say is like a first practical or first logical step that they should take? Mm. The first thing is, is come up with your intention. I think you said that really beautifully, Melvin, that that is an important first step. You know, why would I do something like this? What is my intention or my hope? Because I think when we build it around that, the rest of the details kind of begin to reveal themselves to us rather than us having to chase after or force something to happen. If, if we're doing something without clear intention, it makes it really difficult to know the how or the rest of the steps to occur. And after we have our intention, I think we begin to, to think of those themes that, that are present in our clients or the themes that we like to support people with and then uh, beginning to align with with what uh, what we'd like to put together and what would feel good to us. Right. So what I hear in that is it's always good to start kind of with the vision of what it would look like and then the details themselves will kind of align and, and it'll work out. Yes. I think if we, a lot of us want to do it backwards. We want to know how first and then we'll mm. birth it. But in my experience, the vision births the reality. Mm. So if you have the courage to just dream big, what would it look like? You know, when I saw, um, I'll give you a picture, Melvin, of, of the pla- the location where we hosted um, our, our where we hosted our five day retreat for the last few years. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've envisioned this in my mind. It was like this huge space on the beach, and I thought, "Gosh, how could I afford something like that? Where is it? How could this even happen?" And then the weirdest thing, I had a friend come, and she said, "You know, if you um, want, I, you know, I recently bought a house on the beach. If you want to ever do retreats there, let me know." And it was literally like, "How did this happen?" Like, <laughs> I mean, two days before me and a friend were talking about the vision for this retreat I had no clue how this would unfold and then after that vision this arrived and she sent me pictures of her house they're like aerial views it's a million dollar home and it was like wow okay so I did my part I did my visioning and then the the universe met met me and co-conspired to help me bring this to reality so Hmm, it's miraculous how uh, that's, that's just amazing. How have you, uh, speaking of that, like, are there certain websites or anything that you've found helpful to like find potential locations or is it more of like word of mouth or is, I guess maybe a hybrid or? Yeah, for me, it's really been very organic and word of mouth. I know if you prefer more like rustic locations, um, there's a lot of retreat centers and facilities that, um, and I actually have a, a one of my retreats coming up where I am doing it at a retreat center for a bit of a different feel. Um, 
And so those are helpful as well. I don't have any particular websites in mind, but if you Google retreat centers and like a particular location, some of those type things can come up as well. Um, also, there are many spaces, like if you do Airbnb or uh, they have places that they allow you to have events at, at luxury homes and, and venues. And so that could be another place where you might search as well. Just making sure that it allows for events as well. Sometimes there's an extra charge if they know that you'll be um, making money or having an event at the location or venue. Uh, Carrie, uh, as we wrap up, you know, I know that you're hosting this amazing healers retreat coming up later this year. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about it. Oh, I sure will, Melvin. I am so excited about this. This is something I've been visioning for years. I've done retreats for my clients for, for years. And about a year or so ago, I started seeing uh, a sacred space for healers and wondering how I might birth that. And it is coming into reality with my business partner, Lloyd, and it will be in San Diego, October 23rd to 25th at a, a luxury resort on the water. And we're just inviting a, a group of of healers for an intimate and sacred experience where we can unravel and and look at the pieces of of us that we're so often holding for others so that um, yeah we can meet the parts of ourselves that want to to be a part of our work uh, so that we can stay in the full essence of who we are when we're supporting others uh, from our most authentic place and then we return back to work and uh, can hold even more deep and sacred space for others. Yeah, uh, Carrie, you know, you've shared with me the, the website and some of the things that you're planning. And it's just, it looks amazing. Uh, and I'm very excited and it's neat to see what you're doing. Oh, thank you. And I, thank you so much for being one of our, our partners. I know, um, you know, we've connected with a team of, of healers who are seeing this vision and, and holding it with us. And so we're so glad to have you on board, Melvin. Yeah, I will uh, definitely have a link to to the Healers Retreat in the show notes and uh, do all I can to get the word out about it for you. Oh, thank you. I'd love to meet some of you there if you're feeling the call. That would be amazing. Awesome. Carrie, thank you again for sharing so much awesome information about how to start a workshop or a retreat and just it's such valuable information. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me back. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Carrie. It's always fun having Carrie on the podcast. And every time I get to talk to her, it's just so neat to be able to hear her. And just her infectious spirit is just uh, wonderful to be around. I felt like there was so much practical information, and I hope that you take this and think about how you can incorporate retreats and workshops and groups into your own private practice. Show notes for today's episode can be found at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number three five. I know Carrie mentioned right at the end that she's hosting a healer's retreat and she's very modest about it, but this healer's retreat looks amazing. It's going to be in San Diego later this year, and it's just a great way to connect with her and with other clinicians and just to be able to work on the mental aspects, I think, of our own professional development and our personal development as well. If you'd like to sign up and to get notified for more information about that retreat, you can you can find that information at sellingthecouch.com forward slash healers retreat. And that's my affiliate link for the retreat. And as you may remember from last month, I was actually on Carrie's webinar talking all about podcasting. 
And if you have some great ideas about how to do some workshops and groups for your own private practice, but are struggling with some of the details about it, you can head over to the Selling the Couch Facebook community, and there's a wonderful group of awesome clinicians that are there to help you and to help you brainstorm and figure out all of those things. The easiest way to do it is just to log into Facebook, and there's a search tab at the very top, and just type in Selling the Couch, and then click the... um, button to sign up and I will approve you. Take good care. And again, the show notes to today's episode are sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the numbers three, five. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. Hey friends, hope you enjoyed today's podcast session. And if you are in a season where you've been thinking long and hard about launching an online course, just wanted to invite you to our brand new workshop titled Behind the Scenes of a Small Launch to a $300,000 Online Course. You can sign up over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. We try to do a really good job with this workshop. We updated a whole bunch of new material and Some of the things that you'll learn in this workshop are the five key steps to take your course from an idea to generating income, some of my top gear and software recommendations in order to launch your online course, and the top three mistakes that I made with my Healthcasters podcasting course, which I launched back in 2015 and have been fortunate to have over 272 students in that course. Again, you can sign up over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.